Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we're talking about community. We've been talking uh, about this fresh start with Jesus and how we're moving forward and heading into this new year. You know, so many people that we've come through these last couple years, we've been tired and exhausted. How many of you are tired and exhausted? You need that refreshment. You need that strengthening. And so we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we cast aside every hindrance, every weight to pursue him. And so we've called this series Made New because we want to look at Jesus as our model. See, everything that Jesus did was intentional. Jesus wasted no time. Everything he did, there was a purpose to it, and we followed him. And he did this. He was already perfect. He was fully God, fully man, fully God and man. That's a key theological point, a key uh, important fact for us to know as we follow Jesus. He was fully God, fully man, but everything that he did was intentional, and it was intentional to show us how to live. We follow, who do we follow? We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus Christ. He is our model in everything. It's this new covenant, this this life to the full, this empowered living, and all of this was to set us up for one of his promises, and you have to remember that all of God's promises are what? They're yes and amen. They are true, that when God makes a promise, it is true and is fleshing it out, and this is one of his promises. Can we read this together? Read this with me. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Now think about that. This is Jesus talking. Do you know what Jesus did? He walked on water. He healed people. He raised the dead. He reconciled people. He protected those who were being accused by people, and then drew them back to God. He reconciled humanity back to God. This is, these are all the things that Jesus did. And he didn't get categorical on this, right? He didn't just say, you can do these things, but not these things. You can do this. He didn't put categories out. He said to his disciples, and that's all of us who are followers of him, that you can do even greater works. You'll do all the things that I did, but you can do even greater things than these. Does that blow your mind? Can you imagine if we experienced that? If we were walking with Christ, fully surrendered to him, being transformed by him, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we walk through our lives embracing this promise that he's given to us, doing greater, doing everything that he did, but even doing greater things. I don't know, this promise from Jesus, it keeps burning in me, and it makes me hungry for it, not that I would be glorified, but that I would decrease and that he would increase, because when you start operating in this way, no credit's going to come to you, because people know you can't do it. These are things that you cannot do on your own, but as we walk in this way, the power of Christ is evident in our life. I mean, what if we were experiencing this in our families, in our lives, and in every relationship in the workplace, that as we walked, we were walking fully empowered by Jesus? See, so many in our city, this city that my heart burns for, and as I've watched over the past couple years, my burden for Seattle has not decreased. My burden for Seattle has increased. My burden for Shoreline, for the Pacific Northwest, has increased. It burns in me. It burns in me. And what burns in me is that so many of our in our city have yet to experience the gospel of Christ. They have yet to experience the freedom that the truth of Christ brings in their life. See, many have heard about Christianity. I mean, we're in a Google generation. We're in the information age. People hear about things. And oftentimes, people will hear about things before I even hear about things. We know about things, but we have information. We don't have the impact of experiencing God. See, we were made to experience Christ He's a relational God, light of the world that stepped into darkness so that we can experience him. 
So many know about it, but they have yet to experience what God is. They've even dipped their toe in. I've, I meet so many people that, like, you know, I've dipped my toe in. You know, I've tried it. I prayed, and God didn't answer. Or, or I, I, I went to church, and the coffee was bad, and I said, all apologies here. We will fix that coffee for you. But it takes more than dipping your toe in. It takes more than just reading review. It takes more than experiencing God than just seeing what the movies and what the magazines and, and what a website is going to tell you about it. This is not what Jesus was talking about. See, we don't approach Jesus as a consumer going, as long as I'm getting what I'm asking, then this is good. No, that's, that's a consumer relationship, right? See, we approach him as the mighty God, the great I am, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the one who rescues us, the one who redeems us, the one who transforms us back into how God made us. And we also need to recognize that for all of us that if we call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, those who have been redeemed, those who have been strengthened by God, do you know what God's plan is for telling the world about who he is and, and experiencing his love? It's all of you. It's every one of you and everyone else in this world. Amen. Let's hear it for Steve here this morning. Thanks for helping me out, Steve, brother. And he's wearing a Kraken hat, too, so man of God, full of power for the hours, Pastor Bob would say. <laughs> It's true. God's plan for communicating his love to the world is all of us, every Christ follower. And Jesus said it very plainly in Matthew 5. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's all of you who follow Christ. Jesus said, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. You were made to reflect. You were made to shine, to not be silent, but to reflect who God is in all that you do wherever you are. And see, God, the one who never makes mistakes, who's all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful, in all of this, he's chosen you. I mean, that's how I received Christ as a child. I walked through my home church, not a perfect church, right? Hurts, habits, and hang-ups are in every church. They're in every community. They're in every place that you go. Fred Meyer has hurts, habits, and hang-ups. <laughs> but see, we were made to reflect this. This is how I experienced it, through people who, in their process, were reflecting. They were honest in their walk. They were honest in reflecting who they were in Christ. This is how I experienced Christ. But to do this, if we're going to walk forward, this requires a total surrender to God, totally engaging with that life-transforming practices that Jesus gave us. He laid this out, and we've been talking about this because these, these practices that he gave us, these spiritual disciplines, they're meant to transform us and to strengthen us in our walk with him. When we surrender our life to Christ, in that moment, we have been justified. We are a new child in Christ. But then there's a process that we walk out, isn't it? There's a strengthening process. So over the past three weeks, we've been talking about it. Week one was on prayer. That's talking and listening to God. If you're only talking to God, it's a one-sided conversation. How many marriages flourish under one-sided conversations? Nobody. How many, relationships, how many friendships? Even at work, right? Even at work. Prayer is back. We, we, we talk, and then we listen. Fasting, that denying of our flesh, or as uh, one of my favorite authors, Elisa Scholey, says, she says, it's a thinning of our lives in order to thicken our communion with God. Then last week, we talked about the importance of the Bible, why we can trust it, and how it's his word to us, inerrant, without fault, to speak to us. 
And so today, we're going to continue this series, and we're going to talk about one of the regular practices of Jesus, the thing he told us to do, but it's one of the things that has been challenged more today than it's ever been in my lifetime, okay? I just turned 50 these years, so in the last 50 years, I've never seen it so challenged, so attacked, and so under attack strategically by the enemy. And it's gathering with other Christians. It's Christian community. It's what we often refer to as the church. As I'm going to church, I'm going to gather with others. See, the whole purpose of it was so that we would grow and encourage each other in our walk. So as we continue to lay this out with Jesus, we're going to look at this important part. And let's do it. I know we read it at the beginning, but let's read this now. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, and you've all had practice reading it. So let's read this together. Read with me. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is what we're talking about. So let's go to our model. Who's our model? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our model. We always start with him because we're following him. And for Jesus, going to church... Gathering together was a regular part for him. And for him, in his case, this was going to the temple. And it was a regular part of his worship. When you look at the life of Jesus, he regularly went there. He taught in the temple. He took his disciples with him. As he was going to the temple, as he was leaving the temple, he was talking to people. He was healing people. I mean, how many healings happened just outside the temple as he was going back and forth? And he went there regularly, even though he was often, he was confronted there. Often when he went to the temple to worship, he was confronted at the temple, and there were times that he confronted others. Think about the time that he flipped the tables, right? He flipped the tables. If anyone ever had a reason not to gather or to not go to church, it was Jesus. I mean, it seemed like somebody was always criticizing him in community. See, there were people there who they questioned his calling, they questioned his ministry, they questioned his methods, they questioned the people he hung out with, and they even questioned his authority when they said, by whose authority are you, are you doing this? So why would Jesus keep going? Did Jesus need this? I mean, he was perfect. He didn't need any of this, so why would he do it? I believe one of the reasons that Jesus kept going was this. See, Jesus, he wasn't out to reject the church. Jesus was out to redeem it. See, we throw a lot of things away, and there's things that we buy that they were made to be thrown away, weren't they? This is not who we are. We throw things away, but Jesus redeems this. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 16, in Matthew 16, Jesus said, look, he said to Peter, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is the body of Christ. This is the, the church that Jesus meant us to be a part of. See, Jesus, he didn't condemn the world, but he saved the world. He saved the world. He kept going to the temple, and I believe one of the reasons why he, gave, why he kept going to the temple is because he wanted to give everyone, even those who accuse him, he wanted to give them an opportunity to be redeemed, to be reconciled back to God. If you ever see anyone who is out to destroy or divide the body of Christ, you know that they're not walking in the way of Jesus, don't you? Anytime you see anyone who is out to divide or out to confuse or is trying to stir things up, this, this is not the way of God. As a matter of fact, Paul issued a very stern warning. He said this in Romans 16. Paul said, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things uh, contrary to what you've been taught. Paul said, stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. 
They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talking and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. Jesus fought for this. Jesus died for this. And, you know, as we think about this, it would be very easy for us to think about ways we've been hurt in the past or maybe things that people have done to us. But all of us, when it, when it says in here to be uh, careful not to be look out for our own personal interests, do you know who Paul's talking to? He's talking to all of us. How many would join me in saying, yes, I have, in the past, sought my own personal interest? Anybody with me this morning? <laughs> right? We, we all do. There's times as flesh rises up and I got to fast to get rid of it and lay my life before the Lord and, and I need to ask confession, the confession of sin. But our personal interests tend to rise up and there's times that we equate our personal interests with God's interests. Well, if I feel this way, this must be God because I love Jesus and I've given my life to Christ. Is everything that I feel from God? No. I thought that was an easy question. Is everything that I feel from God? No, it's not. I have lots of feelings. Not every feeling is from God. It needs to be weighed out. It needs to be laid before him. And we need to be careful as it relates to our, this gathering, coming together in the body of Christ, that we are not pursuing our own self-interest, even though gathering together does so much to build us, but that we are saying, God, what would you have us do? That we never allow anything to divide, nothing to distract from Jesus Christ, nothing to distract from who we are as a community, and nothing to distract a world that is looking and saying, is it real, is it real? See, we are... We are called by purpose for this season that we are in. And I want to be very clear about this. I don't want to miss our purpose. God makes everything with a purpose. And we were made to need a purpose. And the purpose of the church, our purpose here at Shoreline Community Church has always been the same. See, the church, Shoreline Community Church, is meant to be the local expression of Jesus Christ. That's why God has planted us here. We're meant to be that local expression of Jesus Christ. We exist in this community to shine the light of Jesus Christ. We exist to be a welcoming place where people can come and experience the what? The love, the acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. How do they do this? They do this by finding a place to Belong. You thought I forgot the B in that, didn't you? Laugh, love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. See, Jesus said it's by our love for each other, all of us here, it's by our love for each other that the world will know. Are people watching? People are watching. Oftentimes, the gathering of the body of Christ or how we treat each other or all these things that Paul talks in great detail about can be one of the biggest hurdles between people and Jesus Christ. We were made to connect. We were made to engage. We were made so that people would see this community and know that it's not perfect. No one expects you to be perfect. They know you're not. They know I'm not. No one has ever looked at me, including my mom, and said, Dwayne, you're perfect. <laughs> I shared something long ago. I was thinking about this this morning about just all the conversations. I know I've shared this before, but forgive me, okay? Um, but I'll never forget coming home. I was at, at, at school one day, elementary, and someone called me a nerd, right? Can you imagine calling somebody a nerd in your life? See, nerd's a cool thing now, right? I'm nerding out on this, nerding on that. Back in the 80s, nerd was not a cool thing. That was like one of the worst things you could be called in school. And I went home to my mom, crying. I said, Mom, you will not believe what happened today. Someone called me a nerd. And I expected in that moment, Mom would give me a cookie, 
she would pull me in, and she would just do everything that she could to console me. And, but instead, she looked at me and said, well, Dwayne, if God made you to be a nerd, just be the best nerd you can be. <laughs> I'm not giving parenting advice, though I think my mom's an amazing mother. But there's times that we have to confront those sorts of things where it's seeing where we are. It's, it's showing how we love each other, showing how we walk with one another. That's why it's so important that the writer of Hebrews said, you know, let us consider how can we stir up one another to love and good works. Never neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. So this has been a challenge for over 2,000 years. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the day drawing near. So before we move on today, I'd like for us to pause and just do a little heart check here. So, are there any motives in your heart? As we talk about, don't be distracted. Are there anything that's kind of getting in your way or the way of others? And I, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit just to speak to you now. You can even close your eyes and say, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. But is there anything in our life that is getting in the way? Is there anyone that I'm ignoring, anyone that I'm rejecting, anything I'm saying, anything that I'm doing, oh God? Just take a moment for that. Lord, speak through us. Speak, Lord, we're all your servants and we're listening. We don't want to do anything or be a part of anything that would distract somebody from you. But God, we want to shine like mirrors. We want to be that light that reflects who you are. Do your work in us, I pray, in your name. Amen. Amen. So as we move forward, I, I want to look at just a couple of ways and, couple, and a couple of reasons. And, and again, this could go on and on and on and on forever, but I'm not going to do that today. We've already been talking about pizza, so we're already heading to lunch, okay? Jesus gave us the church, I believe, one of the reasons why Jesus gave us the church is because the church, the body of Christ, it does two things. One, it prepares us, but it also mobilizes us. You need the body of Christ, you need the church in order to be prepared and to be mobilized. I mean, every great Christian leader, when you look through the course of history and you look to today, every great Christian leader modeled this discipline of regularly going to church, now, why would great leaders need the church? Well, I believe one of the reasons why they do is because when you're pouring out, you need to be refilled. When you are constantly pouring out, when you're walking through your day, when you're, whether it's at work or at home or online, and you're looking for ways to be used for God and you're continually pouring out, empty vessels need to be filled. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? The empty of the spirit. It's that idea of we're, we're, we're constantly being filled and we're emptying and we're being filled and we're being emptying and we're being filled that we're constantly walking in that way. And see, leaders are always pouring out. And all of you are leaders. If you're a follower of Christ, you're leading somewhere. I've talked to people who've said, I'm not a leader, I'm, I'm just this or I'm just that. And then I, I start talking about people that they're leading or the influence or people that are looking at them and how they're encouraging. Because oftentimes people will not talk good about you to your face, they'll talk good about you to somebody else. Have you ever noticed that? That I'll talk to somebody and say, oh, this person's so great, or she's so awesome when she does that, or he's so good. Oh, have you, have you told them that? Oh, no, I haven't told them that because this, I wouldn't want to embarrass them. I'm like, tell them that. Tell them what you think about them. We often fall in that trap. And as leaders, we're all called to operate in this way. And the challenge is we can only give what we have received. If we haven't received anything, we have nothing to give. When we try to give without receiving, this is often when we get in trouble. 
Because see, giving without receiving will often result in exhaustion and collapse. Have you been there before? <laughs> right? You're trying to give, and you're trying to give, you know I need to give. But if you're not finding that way, if you're not regularly gathering together and being refilled, you're trying to pour out. And sometimes we even try to pour it into the life of others where we'll see somebody and we're pouring out and we're going, isn't this good, isn't this good? And the person's going there, I'm not, I'm not getting anything. You're, oh, no, it's there. It's good, it's good, it's good. And they're going, there's nothing coming out. And we deceive them and we confuse them versus being refilled and then pouring out whatever is in us. Because see, if I'm not feeding myself, eventually I'll stop giving. Because I'm like, I feel like I'm giving, but there's nothing there. And when I stop giving in every area, any area of my life, it's like a cancer that spreads, and I stop giving in any area of my life, and the result is I will stop growing. If I'm not giving, I'm not growing. Some of the strongest people I've seen, those that have pursued Christ and those that are growing the most, are some of the most generous people that you'll ever meet. Generous with their time, generous with whatever resources they have to help you, generous in every area of their life. See, Jesus led this out. He revealed to us that there are two things that are essential for achieving our purpose in life. And that's input and output. You need to receive, but you also need to give. And as it relates to this input, the, the church was meant to be a place where we receive. It's a place where we receive. We come together to be encouraged, as we talked about earlier. See, every great athlete knows that how well you perform on the field is directly connected to how you fuel and prepare off the field. We know this, don't we? How many are excited about the Winter Olympics getting ready to come up? Did you know the Winter Olympics are happening next month? You're like, ah, so quick. I know there was a delay last year, so now we have, we have two years back-to-back -back Olympics. And it's the Winter Olympics, and this is one of the best Olympics. Canada does really well in this Olympics. Okay. The summer games, but we know winter sports. But every great athlete, you know. And it made me think about, even though he's not a winter Olympian, did you know that the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time was Michael Phelps? Remember Michael Phelps and all the crazy stuff that he did and how he just came in and blew it out of the water? And you may know this, you may not, but Michael Phelps is the most decorated Olympian of all time with 28 medals, and he has the, the, even the all-time record for gold medals, 23 gold medals. So how did Michael prepare? You know, a lot has been done with someone who's had this much success. They've studied him a lot. But one of the things that stood out to me was how Michael ate. Did you know that Michael was known to train six hours a day, 365 days a year? And if, how many, have you ever done any, any laps in a pool? Do you know how tough that is? right? My back went out several years ago, and one of the ways I had to rehab was to do laps. I'm like, I know how to swim. And about a half a lap in, I was almost done. My technique was off. My cardio was not what I thought it would be. That's why swimming is one of the most intense cardio activities that you will ever do. So how did Michael fuel up knowing this? Listen to what he had for breakfast. This is I'm not recommending this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think you can do this. But for breakfast, Michael, every day, he had three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, tomatoes, lettuce, fried onions, and mayonnaise, followed up by three chocolate chip pancakes. But that's not all. After sandwiches and pancakes, it was time for a five-egg omelet, three sugar-coated slices of French toast, a bowl of grips, grips, grits, gotta get my southern, grits, and two cups of coffee, I can do the coffee, to wash it all down. On average, Michael took in about 10,000 calories a day. <laughs> See, I'm trying to lose weight right now. 
10,000 calories a day. Did he look like an obese character to you? Oh my gosh, cut. You see those swimmers, they're like cut. They're like, I'm not taking my shirt off in front of you. Right? But because of his training, he was burning an estimated over 1,000 calories an hour. So unless you're burning 1,000 calories an hour, I don't recommend this diet in any way, shape, or form. Here's a, and here's my point. My point is all of this. He was putting out so much that he knew he had to fuel up. He had to feed himself because he was taking in the energy and he was burning it out. And then he was taking in the energy and burning it out. This machine had to kept, keep going or there's no way that he would have won 23 gold medals. See, when we're pouring out, we run to the fuel stations in our life. I mean, for Michael, it was, it was probably IHOP, something like that. But for us, the main fuel stations that God has given us, one of the main places that he's, caused, that he's called us to come and refuel is right here, right now, the body of Christ that is meeting internationally. And it's so important that even in some of the most persecuted areas of the world, people are willing to risk their life, followers of Christ, just to gather together, to, to sing some songs, to hear the word of the Lord, to encourage one another and say, we can do this, we're in this together, we're going to reach this nation even though it hates us, even though it's trying to kill us even right now. Because you need that fuel. Now, how is the church meant to fuel us? What are we talking about? Are we talking about a bunch of consumers who say, well, Pastor, when you said before that we don't approach Christianity as a consumer relationship, we're just gorging ourselves, and that's true. We're not approaching it in that way. When I talk about fueling, I want to highlight just one of the words that the writer of Hebrews highlights, and it's that word encouragement. Encouragement. See, I've, I've always been connected to a local church, and at one point in my life, I lived across in a very small town from the church, so we were at, at the church every time that it was open. We were there, and, and I'm here to tell you that some, that some of the most encouraging times that I've had in my walk with Christ have been at church, the local body of Christ. Have there been challenges here? Yes, because it's, it's family. Do any of you have challenges with your family? <laughs> that got a response, didn't it? Anything that means a lot to you is also going to have challenges. The things that matter the most to you in your life, because you're investing yourself, you're committing yourself, the things that are the most important to you, where you give the most, are also going to be some of the places where you're going to get the biggest challenges. Okay? One of my biggest commitments that I've made in my life, apart from following God, has been getting married, marrying Stephanie who is a wonderful, beautiful person. But do you think we've ever had challenges in our relationship? Yeah, I hope I haven't duped you to think otherwise. Marriage, for me, has been one of the most challenging... I wish she was here. Tell her the good things I say. Um, marriage, for me, has been one of the most... And she would say the same. Marriage has been one of the most challenging things that I've ever done. And it has been one of the most shaping maturing things that I've ever done. Amen. Amen. We celebrate 30 years in March. <laughs> All glory to God and Stephanie. <laughs> who I was 30 years ago is not who I am now. By staying in it, by staying in that committed relationship, being all in, through the hurts, habits, and hangups that we had, through the challenges that we had, both following the Lord, but there was a lot of friction. See, Stephanie and I, we're very different. One's not bad, or, or one's not better than the other, but we're very different. 
But in that relationship where it's all in, there's high accountability. There's things that are going to be, there's going to be friction points because have you ever seen an axe or anything being sharpened? There's sparks flying and there's pressure going. But you know that one of the biggest causes of accidents with tools like that is trying to use them when they're blunt? When you use dull instruments, that's when you get hurt. And that's when you hurt others. But when they're sharpened and effective... They're powerful, and it's, it's a joy to work with. And marriage, like a lot of other committed relationships, they are meant to sharpen you. And when you stay in it, I think that's why Jesus and so many often compared the body of Christ to a marriage. Because it's meant to sharpen us. It's meant to refine us. And I had a lot of refining to be done in my life. I had a lot of things to be knocked off. I had a lot of things that had to come out. And they all came out. But because Stephanie was following the Lord, because she was committed to me, because I was following the Lord, because I was committed to her, because we had parents that were encouraging us in those ways, we had a lot of conversations those first two years with her mom. She deserves a lot of finances for marital counseling, I'm telling you. <laughs> she's, a, she's awesome. We are stronger for it. We are better for it. Nothing's going to knock us because of that process. That's what I think about when I think about this word encouragement because sometimes when we think about the word encouragement, we think about cheerleading, right? And nothing against the cheerleaders in the room, okay? Cheerleaders have a part. Let's hear it for the 12th man. Yeah, we're not in the playoffs. <laughs> but the Kraken, aren't, I don't think the Kraken are going to be in the playoffs either. So, <laughs> Cheering is important. It is so essential. It's important to hear people around you that they're going. But, you know, Cheerleaders are not at the football practice, right? Cheerleaders don't know the place. Cheerleaders are often on the outside looking in. When the Bible is talking about encouragement, he's not talking about, let's get together in church and tell everybody how happy they are, right? Hercules, Hercules is that we're talking about. We're talking about some serious intention that when you look in, encouragement, it looks more like coaching, when, when, the, when the writer of Hebrews and when the Bible talks about encouragement, it's not everything's good, baby. You're, you never do anything wrong. Here's another cookie. It's going, no, you need some work in your life. And every good coach will tell you that coaching, this is a very strategic partnership that requires commitment on both ends where the coach is all in committed and the player is all the way in committed to follow the coach. This is a coaching relationship. It's one that we engage in. And for us, the word that we often use in church is it's a mentoring discipleship relationship. We're called to make disciples. That mean we, means that we make disciples as we are being discipled ourselves. This is what encouragement talks about. And when you do a word study on that, here's the definition. When you pull out the Greek word for that, it means to call to one side. To speak words of exhortation, that means that you're emphatically urging someone to do something. You're seeing somebody and you're saying, you really need to do this. Let me encourage you to do this. It uses the word to describe it. It uses the word entreaty, which means it's a humble request. It's not a prideful request. It's not something that you request for your own good, but it's for the good of the person. It means to comfort, it means to strengthen, it means to instruct, and it means to teach. Now, does that sound just like a happy-go-lucky kind of a relationship? No. See, first of all, note the relationship that is intended for this to happen. This is not something that you would do to a total stranger. 
You wouldn't walk up to a stranger on the bus, or at least I hope you wouldn't. You say, now, here's what you need to do for your life. I saw this happening because I saw you in the back of the bus. You need to do this. You need to report back to me next week. I mean, you'll, who knows what will happen to you. I've actually seen that happen. It didn't go well. It was not in a Christian context. See, this behavior that we're being called to as the body of Christ, it points to a closer relationship. It's not everything's going wonderful. I, I can cheer for anyone. I can cheer for anyone. I cheered for the Kraken on Friday night when they lost 5 nothing to St. Louis. Good grief. I still love them. I cheer for them. But you know what? None of the Kraken called me. The coach didn't call me. The management team didn't call me. I've never had dinner with any of them. They're not in my life group. But I cheer for them. Now, they're all welcome. If you know them, say, hey, Pastor Dwayne would love to do that with you. But I, I, I cheer for them. I'm, I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> like this. This is not what we're talking about. And they gladly welcome us watching. They gladly welcome them cheering. They gladly will say, that was great, Dwayne, that you bought that jersey. But this is not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is referring to something deeper. It's life transformative. It's this partnership with God in the formation of righteousness with us in our life and with those around us. That standing right with God, that aligning our life to God, is encouraging people to walk in that way because it transforms us. And when you're transformed, this community is transformed. And when this community is transformed, the city is transformed around us. And when every community, every body of Christ, every other church around us when the individuals take it up personally and say, I'm going to let my life be transformed in this way. I'm going to commit to this body of Christ that is committed to preaching the gospel, that, is lit, that the Bible is coming alive to them, and they're being transformed, and they're committed, and they transform those communities. The community that they're in, it will be transformed. There's no way that it cannot be transformed. But it takes that level of commitment. That's why when we gather together, Jesus describes it as discipleship moments, this encouraging someone in the way of Christ. What that means is, yes, we applaud them when they're aligned with God. We're saying, great job over there. I'm so glad you're leading that group. I'm so glad you're engaged with food for kids. I'm so glad that you're just, you're, every week you come in and you're just worshiping the Lord and you're pouring everything out no matter how you feel. Thank you for being committed through two of the toughest years for the body of Christ. And I applaud you for that. But what the writer of Hebrews is also talking about, it's also talking about warning people, warning us of areas where they're not showing alignment with Christ. Because we need that. I mean, if your life is going out of alignment with God, are you hoping that somebody will tell you about that? I mean, even King David had to pray, show me my unknown sin. If David had to pray, you know, God, there's, there's times I miss things, you've got to show it to me. I don't think I'm better than King David. Do you? You can say, well, there's some terrible things that he did. All of us are susceptible to being tricked by the enemy. Nobody's perfect. But what God highlights is when David returned and said, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. What other community does that? When you can do something so atrocious... But when you fall on your knees, say, God, forgive me. I know I'm wrong. Help me to walk right. Only the body of Christ does that. Only the body of Christ does that. We were made to do that. See, we need this. 
We need this. See, when I'm boldly living at my faith, I will need this because I need to be constantly refueled. I need to be reminded. I need reminders, right, Stephanie? <laughs> I need reminders in my life. And so do you. So do you. Everyone forgets stuff. Some of the people who remind me the most have forgotten. Sometimes they've forgotten to remind me. We all need this in life. We need that encouragement. I need to be encouraged in my walk with God. I need to be encouraged that my life is placed here for a reason. I'm on mission. And the harder this week is, the more that I'm going to come here. Because I'm telling you, no matter what's going on, when I come here and I'm sitting in that row, I can't wait to worship. I can't wait to see people. It's so good to see families who are new. It's so awesome to see families that they've not been with us in person for a couple years. We need this. I need your encouragement. I need to experience and learn from God's word with all of you. Now, the Bible's clear about we need to not just be, be, uh, be hooked on milk all the time, but we need to be digging into the meat and teaching ourselves. And the Bible says some of you should be teachers by now, so there's maturity in that, but the most mature person still needs the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ. I need to worship God with all of you. I need to be reminded that I'm not alone. I need to be reminded that it's going to be okay. The Lord is with us, and we're going to reach out. You're my family. You're my family. I need to be reminded that if I mess up, you're still going to love me, right? But you're also going to say, you were way out of alignment there, Dwayne. But you don't stop there. You say, Dwayne, you're out of alignment. Come back in alignment. Confess to the Lord. Receive healing. Receive forgiveness. Live for Jesus. See, one of the big ways that regular gathering together encourages us, it reminds us who we are. I mean, we're in a world that tries to just shake it up all the time. I mean, all the ways the world tells us that you need to be uncommitted in every area of your life. In every area of your life. And it destroys us. It digs the root out from us. They'll say, explore your gender, explore your sexuality, explore your, your, your spirituality, just relationships. Have as many relationships as you have. That's how you find joy. And we know that's a lie from the enemy. Now we lovingly embrace people because it would be easy for us to judge those things, but we've done some of those exploring everything in other areas of our life. We lovingly welcome and say, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. But we point to Jesus and say, you want to find true happiness? It's through Jesus Christ. How he made you, how he designed you. Psalm 139, he knit you and he forms you in your mother's womb. Prescribed everything. The perfect artist. You are his masterpiece. You're made in the image of God. See, we don't need more information. We need to be reminded and encouraged how to build our lives. We need to be mobilized. I mean, what if we were fleshing this, this out? And walking this out in every, every area of our life. What if everyone listening today took these words seriously? I mean, as a church over the past 80 years, we've mobilized countless pastors, countless missionaries, countless teachers, countless doctors, countless artists, moms and dads, business people, and even baristas in their givings. Over the... We are called to mobilize. 
What if we, Sterling Community Church, all committed to faithfully and regularly gather together to encourage each other and stir up the gifts inside of each other and to love the world around us? See, we need each other. I'm here every week, not because I'm a pastor, <laughs> though they do expect that. But in the times when we've not been pastoring, we, we've done that every week. We need it. I'm here to be refueled and encouraged by you, but I'm also here to encourage others in that way. There are people who show up going, is anyone going to love me today? There are young adults come in looking for other young adults. There are people like me coming in and going, is there, is there anyone that I can connect with here today? All of you, whoever you are, however God made you, there's people in this community that God's calling here and he's showing up and going, is there somebody here? Now, we connect with everyone. Intergenerational is so important. But there's times you show up and you go, is there somebody that I can connect with, right? That peer, that friend. What if we all show up each week looking for that? What if we invited people? What if we look to invite people, people we know, strangers that we meet on the street? What if we walked in saying, God, use me today? Lord, heal me today. Use me today, God, however you want. Every car that passes by, every person that drives by, every dog walker in a neighborhood of which I am one. Lord, may they find you here. May they find you here. That's why Jesus said, not even the gates of hell would prevail. See, I'm praying that for our church. I'm praying that, Lord, would you do your work in us? to such a level that we would be transformed and that the neighborhood around us would be transformed. We're growing. Condos are going up everywhere. Apartments are going up everywhere. And to me, it's exciting. Even though it's challenging at times. What would happen if we walked in this way? See, I'm praying for us as a church that we would go all in. That we wouldn't let nothing keep us from gathering together that we would be a community that is so transformed by God, that the Spirit of God would just pour out from us, that as we walk, we would see all the things that Jesus talked about. You'll do even greater things. Are you hungry for that today? Are you hungry for that today? Can you just stand together and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Speak to me, Lord. Speak your word to me, oh God. God, I pray you would encourage us today, Lord, showing us ways that we're walking and to keep going, but also pointing out areas that need to be realigned, minds that need to be changed in me. Areas where we're missing it, oh God. Areas where we're hitting it and saying, keep going, keep going. That boldness. Lord, we have yet to imagine what you would do in and through a man or a woman that is fully devoted to you. God, this world has yet to see it. Lord, do that work in us. Lord, every person here today, God, may they, may they receive the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. May they hear your voice with clarity. May they have what it takes to turn off every distraction so that we can hear your voice, oh God. We need your voice. We need to hear you. So Lord, remove every distraction. Show us the things we need to fast. Show us the things we need to turn off. Lord, may we turn off the voice of the enemy, Lord, that would keep us from being here today. And Lord, may we pursue your voice that says, get together, you need to be refueled because I've got a mission for you this week. You need people encouraging. You need people pouring your life so that you can go out and do what God's called you to do. And then you need to come back and say, look what God did this week. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again.
the team's going to lead us in a song, and I'd like for you just to take this moment, not to leave this moment. I'm not trying to inspire you today. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to equip you and send you and mobilize you today. I want you to take a moment to wrestle with how's the Holy Spirit stirring you right now? Are there areas of your life where you've pulled back, where you need to recommit and jump in? And ask yourself, where do you need encouragement, but also is there someone around you that needs encouragement today? The Holy Spirit will speak to you and show you. And then the last one, what's your next step? Jesus will always give you those steps. You can write it down, you can journal it out. It can be help me, or it can be, Lord, give me courage, or whatever it is the Lord's speaking to you. Let me encourage you just to write that out. Or maybe you need to go to somebody who's here today and say, I want to encourage you. Or you need to go to somebody and say, would you please pray for me? Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, that where there's death, you brought life. Where, when we're afraid, you brought new courage. There's never been a time that you've left us. Never been a time you've forsaken us. Lord, as we walk this out today, Lord, help us to hold fast that whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's noble, your words, your practices, oh God. Lord, every day, Lord, commit it to prayer. Commit it to your word. God, that regular act of fasting, just denying our flesh and saying, flesh, you're not in charge. Lord, you are in charge. And Lord, being together, Lord, we know the enemy is out to, div to divide us because he knows if he can divide us, he can conquer us. And it's often silent and unnoticed. There's times that we're being attacked and we don't even know it. Lord, I pray that we would rise up in this community to encourage one another, to stir one another, to disciple one another and be disciple. I pray. Do your work in us. Do your work in us. And everyone said together. Amen, amen. But I don't let you, I, I, I feel encouraged today. <laughs> Someone wants to clap. Can you clap with them? They want to clap. Thanks for being here today. Let me encourage you to take this out, to walk this out. Invite somebody here. I think it's a pretty cool place. I love all of you. I mean, don't you know somebody who would love to be a part of this? Invite them. Invite your Facebook friends. They can even check us out online for a few weeks and then check it out. Be inviting. Invite them to your group. If you're not in a group, find a group. We have wonderful groups, but get engaged. Amen. Thank you for being here. So good to see you. This is our benediction. Let's say this before we go have pizza or wherever you're going to have today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.